Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Renee Report. today's episode of the Renee Report, we're going to go over some NFL news. Finally, we have some NFL news on star stud of running back Melvin Gordon, and whether or not he'll possibly be moving on from the Los Angeles Chargers. Well, as the Houston smokescreen we talked about from a few episodes back seems to have actually been real, exactly the Oklahoma City Thunder got back in return well as Chris Paul's future in the NBA and where exactly he fits into the new NBA. Last but not least, more Summer League news to end out the episode. First and foremost, Melvin Gordon, star star running back, as I just said, from the Los Angeles Chargers, coming off an amazing season, has said that you either need to pay me or to trade me. Is slated to make about $6 million in 2019, which is very similar to how Kemba Walker got paid in Charlotte, aka he's not getting paid at all for his hard work and effort. The difference is that in basketball, you're going to get the bag one way or another, and in the NFL, you've really got to earn your bag in order to do it, and at a running back position, there's just no guarantee that one injury just couldn't take you out of that position to get the money that you really deserve. Melvin Gordon is at the very end of his rookie deal. This is the fifth year of his rookie deal where he has a team option. This current season with the Los Angeles Chargers, he is a dominant running back last season. Averaged about five point, about five yards per carry, which is really good. Did get injured at the very end of the season, as he does seem to do pretty frequently, to be honest. It definitely screwed the Chargers in the playoffs, as he is definitely when their offense runs the best through him. So they just really didn't play the same when they lost him, and you kind of knew they had no shot in the playoffs the second he went down. Running back position itself has the least shelf life out of any position in football, by far. So you can't blame Melvin for seeing guys younger than him like Todd Gurley already breaking down and getting injured. And realizing, damn, I need to make sure that I like secure my future any way necessary. If that means not playing for the entire regular season. Very similar to Le'Veon Bell, running back currently of the New York Jets. Ex-running back of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who sat out the entire year without pay to basically prove a point that, hey, I need to stop getting franchise tagged and I need to get my money. Definitely see this being the best route for Melvin because he definitely will get healthy from a year off and the team will surely give him the payday that he requires and needs. But, you know, he could not get that payday if he waits a little bit later in his 20s. It does make sense to force the issue now and to make sure that the Chargers realize that he's dead serious about sitting out and that they need to take him seriously and secure his future. Best guess to what would happen or what is going to happen would be that Melvin Gordon is just a genuinely good human being 
And I'm not saying that Le'Veon Bell wasn't a good human being, but he just didn't seem to care about his teammates and the city as much as Melvin does. So I think he's going to have a really hard time, Melvin being, um, having a hard time watching his team play without him. So I think he'll either get a huge contract from the Chargers, which he totally deserves. Hopefully his teammates really rally behind him and guys like Phillip Rivers, the leader of the team, to support him and you know show, hey, we really need this guy to win. He's very essential to what we do, and you need to take care of the guy. Or I honestly think he's going to end up caving and will play most of next year on a bad contract and just take care of this body the best he can throughout the season. And more realistically, though, would be that his teammates really rally behind him and that he gets the support he deserves and he ends up getting paid by the Los Angeles Chargers. Obviously, is a really big effect on fantasy football, as I would imagine. I haven't looked at the rankings quite this early in the season, but I do have to imagine he was going in majority of the first rounds, and this could definitely bounce him out of that first round and possibly give you some value if your draft is a little bit earlier and you could possibly get a, get away with a sneaky pick like Melvin in the second round to really solidify your running back position. Reality should be one of the first three picks out of the entire draft. Again, if he does sit out for the entire year, then you just spend a second round pick on someone who's not going to play, and that obviously would be a pretty big risk. So obviously do it at your own discretion, but I do believe he will play and get paid. I would not be opposed to probably not spending my first round pick on him with all this news and all this stuff until it kind of loots and we get more information on it. But I would definitely be willing to spend a second or third round draft pick in your draft just because of how talented he is. And frankly, when he's on the field, there's not many better running, running bats in the league. And frankly, he just gets in the end zone, which is something that is so valuable at the running back position. We get closer and closer to the NFL season. I believe the podcast will definitely shift more into the NFL and less of the NBA. But obviously, as there's so much NBA news right now and the summer league, it's still going to be heavy NBA for the next week or two. But I would say probably in a week and a half or two weeks, the podcast is going to be heavy on fantasy football and just football news in general, which I'm so excited about and just so excited to have football back, man, soon. It's awesome. Positioning over to the NBA really quick, as I did say, the Houston smokescreen was in fact correct, and Daryl Morey, the GM, was in fact lying when he said that Chris Paul and Harden were on good terms and that everything was going to be fine and they didn't need to change their team or their roster, and they have traded Chris Paul, decided to make a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder, where they trade Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets for Chris Paul, as well as a first round pick in the 2024 season. 2026 season and pick swaps in the 2021 and 2025 season this means for houston and specifically harden and russell westbrook is that they finally get to play together again they begun their career with you know obviously harden russell westbrook and kevin durant all being together on the oklahoma city thunder and now they finally get to relive those awesome moments were definitely more simple back then and they weren't so caught up in the MVP race and triple doubles and it was just a better time so hopefully that brings it out of both of them and they both realize you know let's maybe step take a step back from the MVP thing and you know trying to be huge in the spotlight and just really focus on winning together which would be awesome just my personal opinion but I definitely believe the days of either Harden or Russell Westbrook being an MVP are over 
simply because on both of their teams when they were separate, they got to shoot almost 30 to 35 times a game. No way they're going to get that many shots up, both being on the same team. So you can definitely see their numbers, and specifically Russell Westbrook's crazy triple-double numbers definitely start to decline in the coming years. And I think guys like Giannis and Paul George will just frankly overtake them in the race. And they're going to be, like I said, more focused on winning. But I mean, every single day is still going to be a highlight reel. And I'm still going to be watching every single game that the Houston Rockets put on that I can watch, no doubt. What this means for the Oklahoma City Thunder is that they're in full rebuild mode. And they have about 10 to 11 picks to do so with. So I mean, that's a pretty dang good head start. Um, granted, those are picks from the Rockets and Clippers, who are really both great teams right now, with a lot of superstar power as well as depth. For the next three seasons or so, I wouldn't say those picks are very effective, but that's why you see they try to get picks in the later seasons, aka the 2024, 2025, and 2026 seasons, which I believe is pretty smart. GM Sam Presti of the Oklahoma City Thunder has really shown he's a great GM and no reason to doubt him or future of Oklahoma, as long as he is in the driver's seat of the entire rebuild. So I do think it is dangerous in small markets like Charlotte or Oklahoma to wait so long to be good and just to rely on draft picks because very similar as we see to like the 76ers who tanked for five years. I mean, sometimes it just doesn't work out. The difference is that Philadelphia loves, loves basketball with a passion. I'm just not 100% sold on the fact that Oklahoma can retain their fans and the same amount of hype they've had for the last couple years, or basically last 10 years due to Russell Westbrook. Still have their own draft picks for the next few years, which we obviously can assume will be top five picks with their horrible roster put together. Makes me wonder if the Thunder could possibly be moved back to Seattle and the Supersonics could be added back to the league. Just an idea and definitely think there's a possibility it could take place as soon as the, I mean, as soon as probably the next two years if it really falls off the wagon and people stop showing up to the games. I just think that Seattle would be a really good place to have a basketball team and there's a big want and need for it. So if a team like Oklahoma or sadly to say like Charlotte really falls off in the next three to four years and doesn't show growth or, you know, trying to make big moves to change that. There definitely could be a change of scenery, and I think one of those two teams could be moved to Seattle, which is pretty insane. A report came out when I woke up today that OKC plans to have CP3 play zero minutes in an Oklahoma City jersey, which does make sense as they're obviously going for the full rebuild and don't really want to get any wins next season. What does this mean for the aging, declining, and worst contract in the NBA? Yes, Chris Paul. A year and a half ago was such a coveted and praised player that I think most any team would have taken the services of. And now it seems that, you know, they're begging teams to take him. I've already discussed this in previous episodes, but CP3 is obviously coming off of his worst career years since probably all the way back to the 2013 season. Due to this, the Rockets couldn't really find any suitor to take him and had to get rid of him by unloading four draft picks. And the team that they gave him to still doesn't want to use the guy. So that definitely shows that Chris Paul's draft, or excuse me, his stock is at an all-time low. And it could be really difficult for the Oklahoma City Thunder to move him now. They might even have to give up a few of their picks that they've gotten from, um, from the Houston Rockets or the Clippers to get rid of CP3. 
It's basically gotten so bad for CP3 that it's not bad enough that his contract is bad. You've got to trade picks with the guy just to get rid of him. Exactly what teams can we expect will be willing to not only take on a super shitty contact contract, excuse me, but also want to use him? The answer is, from my perspective, there's only probably three teams in the league that would even be desperate enough to try and do a move like this. The first one that comes to my mind would obviously have to be the Charlotte Hornets. Desperate for talent and a star, and a team with a bunch of unloadable contrasts like Nicholas Batum is Mac Biombo. Definitely make the deal work. Definitely be a very Michael Jordan-esque move where he just tries to get someone to bring people into the stands. And someone did honestly just get Charlotte excited about sports again as he kind of just screwed them this offseason by not really doing anything and not having a very good draft to back it up either. So it would kind of make the most sense for him to go to the Hornets. Especially as he knows the area and definitely loves the North Carolina area as a whole. Another option I could see working would be that the Suns finally get a real point guard. They don't have to, well, they would have to overpay, but they overpay everyone anyways. Make Devin Booker a lot better and give some experience and toughness to a team that I really think lacks all of that. It'd be interesting to see what contracts they would have to unload to make it work. I just don't know their salary cap situation after free agency right off the top of my head. But I could definitely see them as one of the three teams being desperate enough to do it. And a team that also could be really good if they just got someone like Chris Paul. And somewhere he could actually make an impact and like possibly win some games. Last option is my least favorite, which I could see working out because he goes to a team like Detroit. And honestly, I think if the Detroit Pistons traded for Chris Paul, I don't see him as the kind of guy who would play for a team like the Wizards or Detroit. That there's just no hope or guys that he can train and try and get better. And I think he would honestly end up retiring because he realizes no team with real talent and a chance to win could use his services anymore. And that the league has just kind of passed him by at this point. With a lot of really good point guards, and they're all under the age of 23. So he's just got a lot of competition, and to be frank, his contract and play just doesn't stack up very well against it. If he does leave that way where he retires, at least he had an amazing career and a legacy still intact. And he can definitely go out as someone who we still respect and love watching. I think is honestly one of the better routes for him to go out. That I hate Chris Paul or want to disrespect Chris Paul, but I just think Father Time is undefeated, and he clearly had a big drop off last year, whether it was from injuries or little, you know, I mean, he's injured all the time, so I really don't find that as an excuse anymore. And like I said, there's just so many good young point guards in the league that I think he's just been passed by like a lot of big men in the league have been in recent years. But not least on the podcast episode, I just want to talk on some summer league news. Taco Fall keeps becoming more and more efficient day by day. Impressive every single game. He seems to be playing better and better. I mean, he literally is missing one to two shots a game. Granted, they're a foot away from the basket. It's more and more likely that he will be getting a contract. If not from the Celtics, he'll definitely get an NBA contract. And I pray it is from the Celtics. Tonight, the Memphis Grizzlies played against the Celtics, and Grayson Allen was guarding Grant Williams and twice took a cheap shot in the Summer League game and inevitably got himself kicked out when he basically hit Grant Williams square in the face while he was going for a pump fake. 
Shocker that his piss poor defensive awareness made him miss and look like a fool. And this is just, I mean, this is the Grayson Allen that we've come to expect basically since he was a Duke. But it's pretty amazing to see that he hasn't changed even a bit. And he still seems to be doing the same antics. And kind of crazy that he isn't more penalized than he is and give him more attention. Big takeaway from last night is that Kyle Guy from Virginia struggled against... The Clippers shooting 5 of 19 in a sloppy but expected tough start for the young shooter. We see with many young shooters, they tend to struggle in the summer league as they're so used to in college just easily getting space and not really having to work for their shots. And now they're, you know, getting heavily contested and guys who are playing for their NBA lives versus guys like Kyle Guy who know they're going to be on the roster. So it's just a little different because he's playing against guys who you know, their careers are on the line, and that's just not the case for him. So I think it's more just adjusting than it is, you know, his career is donezo. I mean, no one in the summer league you can really make that much statement on. But I definitely do find it interesting that he's struggling and do kind of question the pick just from the beginning. So it doesn't really surprise me. Hachimura, though, that is a big shocker, as he might be proving me really wrong and a bunch of haters wrong. Dropped 25 points last night, granted played 32 minutes, but played unbelievably efficient. Very impressive shooting, knocked down two of three three-pointers, had nine rebounds, two blocks, I mean, did everything. Really doubted Rui, uh, Rui's talent, I always thought he was a really talented player, but I still honestly believe the Wizards are just really good at messing up talent, regardless of who it is, and they just don't use people properly. But I still hope the best for him and hope he proves me wrong and that he has an awesome career in Washington and maybe brings a little bit light to a super dark and gloomy kind of team. Good to see him have so much success early though. Definitely shows a lot of growth and why he was picked where he was. Williams, who we obviously talked about earlier, the Celtics rookie, had a field day on Grayson Allen. Dropping 21 points, hitting 4 out of 5 three-pointers with ease. So it does make sense why Grayson was so aggressive and agitated, and why he inevitably ended up getting ejected from the game last night. Still no excuse, and he's still a douchebag, but again, kind of what we come to expect at this point in time. China plays against the Suns. Yes, you heard me correctly. Somehow China is playing against the Suns in the Summer League. Honestly, I didn't even know that teams from other countries came to play our teams. But I think that's a pretty cool matchup. And I'm definitely going to be watching it tonight. Interested to see the height disparity between the Suns players and the Chinese players. Not to be that guy. I just feel like even a tall Chinese player is going to be so much shorter. That it's going to be a pretty easy game for the Suns. But... If there was any team that knew how to mess up an easy matchup, Charlotte or the Suns are definitely your best bet. So it's, it's going to be a good game. Last but not least, the biggest story out of the Summer League by far, if it's not Taco Fall, which it definitely is, would be RJ Barrett oddly struggling in the Summer League. My main takeaways are that he appears to be having his handling, just needing some work, has an inability to get past Summer League players, which is definitely a bit concerning. First step also seems like it could use some work. And he just, I don't know, it doesn't seem like he developed as much coming into the summer league as you would expect him to, especially on just not very good talent, considering how good he is. All that is true. He is getting a ton of rebounds for a shooting guard. He's gotten at least 10 boards in every single game he's played, which is really impressive. 
He is a gamer and someone who's never going to back down or question the decisions he makes, even if they are wrong. I actually believe it's good for him to be struggling this early rather than the regular season, because Summer League, just plain and simple, doesn't matter for a top five pick. Or a place to make mistakes and be okay with it and just kind of learn like what do I need to work on and what's the difference between college and the NBA. And you see guys like the Atlanta Hawks almost rookie of the year last year, Trey Young, who struggled at times in the summer league with a very similar problem of inefficient shooting as RJ Barrett has. Gone to have an amazing rookie season and proved many doubters wrong. Far, although he has struggled, I believe he has shown RJ Barrett he has shown great ball vision, a better passer than I think a lot of believed. He's gotten six or seven assists in all three of his games, which is pretty impressive. Definitely hits open teammates, which kind of shocked me because he didn't really seem to do that all the time at Duke. I believe that the scoring and efficiency will come as he continues to play more and more and just get more acquainted to the league as a whole. Still needs to learn his body a lot better and his control. Again, that's all stuff that comes with time and stuff we expected him to at least struggle with a little bit. Summer League continues to give us really good games day in and day out and really cool matchups like China and the Suns. Everyone is having a great week and we'll have a great weekend. Can't wait to talk to you next. Feel free to leave comments and concerns down below. And I'm out. Peace!